Oh my goodness, it's podcast time yet again. Goodness me. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Clemps. We've been going on for a lot more episodes than I originally thought we would, which is quite impressive. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Um, today, we have a guest, uh, and she is a YouTuber. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself and what you do? Red Bard is cool. Ooh. Uh, I'm Red Bard, and I'm told that I'm cool. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't have a super wacky fun intro, but um, if you know of me, you probably know me as that person who made a video about Yowie paddles. <laughs> um, I made a video about four kids, one piece. That's also got a lot of views. Basically, I. We'll talk about anime, I talk about visual novels, but the big thing that I do is that I talk about, like, pieces of, like, anime fandom culture or anime fandom history, for lack of a better phrase. You know, things like uh, what happened to the Yaoi Paddles, what happened to Gaia Online, you know, stuff like that. Now, it's funny you mentioned Yaoi Paddles, because I was talking, <laughs> about, I was talking about Yaoi Paddles <laughs> yesterday in the stream, I, w I was streaming some uh, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, and for some for some reason, the topic of Yowie Paddles came into uh, came into play. Now, literally, how? Uh, I th I think it's because Sora and Riku were on the screen, and they give off the vibe. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, back mm -hmm. then, Sora and Riku cosplayers, nobody was safe. Now, Nobody was safe. I didn't learn about Yowie Paddles until last year. I was, like, blissfully ignorant on the topic Very of Yowie Paddles. Very blissfully. I cannot believe something like that was was about. And I, I've heard people say that, like, Ahego shirts are kind of like the modern-day equivalent to the Yowie Paddle. This kind of... Now frowned upon anime convention thing. Now, it's kind of funny you should bring up the Ahegao stuff, because I'm actually, as of when we are recording this, I'm actually currently working on a video about Ahegao clothes, because it's one of my most requested topics. The stars um, are aligned. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, um, I don't know if this will be posted by the time I'm done, mm. um, but for the record, I am actively working on it. It'll be the next thing I upload. I don't know that it's entirely fair like i get why people compare the two i don't know if it's entirely fair to compare them though because yaoi paddles the concern was people were getting physically injured like i say this in my yaoi paddle video but at worst there was one person who got hit so hard that they were literally left paralyzed yeah. and the person who mm -hmm. spanked them went to prison as they very well should <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's physical assault. And imagine imagine thinking in your head that that is an okay thing to do, and you're gonna get a giggle out of it. I just don't I don't understand. I really I, don't. I know it's really weird thinking back on it at the time, though. You know what I like chucking it up to is the fact that you know this is back when anime fandom was a lot smaller than it is now, and there was you know these conventions were a lot newer, and people didn't have a good sense of boundaries back then that doesn't make it any like it's still not okay I in mean, the you're not, highest degree yeah you're but not it's wrong like, you're definitely yeah. not wrong because i mean i i've said this before in a podcast i think um if not then you know you're hearing it for the first time if not then i'm repeating it uh, i was bitten at an anime convention for a uh, for shits and giggles Excuse um, me? Yeah, like, unsolicited bite. It was back when I was cosplaying Luffy. I was, like, a, a little wee baby boy at the time, like, maybe 16 or 17. And, um, I, I think it was, like, 
yeah, it was kind of at the... Well, we sat down. God damn, the fucking... You know when a story comes modelled in your head and you're like, oh shit, and then like, there were four guys who were beating me up when in reality it was one really small, small man. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so all I know is that she liked my Luffy cosplay. So she did the... You know how in some anime they'll kind of go like, how? And they'll do like a cute nom on the arm. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, and and no. she she like locked onto my arm, but she she bit. Like I'm talking it wasn't like a playful little like nom. It was like a, it was she like put her teeth into my arm. I remember being a bit freaked out and just kind uh, of yeah, walked, yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> I just I just kind of walked away going like what the hell? But then I think if that happened today, I'd cause a bit more of an uproar if some fucking idiot decided to sink her teeth into my flesh? Like, uh, like, yeah. Hello? <laughs> I would I would hope so. Jesus Christ. You know, uh, another video I'm actually working on right now is mm. uh, a video about the rise and fall of the glomp. Uh, oh my God, one. you are fucking... It's, this is the weirdest... Yeah. The weirdest... Cross- I swear to God, we were talking about glomps yesterday as well. I... <laughs> Now, now, uh, what, what type... Now, are we talking about the aggressive glomp? I'm talking run, sprint, unsolicited I, hug. I am talking about, uh, in the video, I talk about, like, the history of the Glomp, how it got into anime conventions, and how it hurt people, all that kind of stuff. But something I talk about in one part of the video is how it a lot of it kind of came from the idea of people saw something happening in anime, and it didn't really occur to them that what's cute in a comic or a cartoon in an anime isn't cute in real life. Oh, for sure. I mean, I did and the same. And this biting thing sounds like the exact same Well, it, it is. That's the thing. And, like, back in school, back in high school, me and my friends, we used to do the same shit. Like, when a character would run and jump into somebody's arms, you think, oh, it looks so easy in, anim- in, like, in an anime. But what I failed to realize is that at the time, and maybe still today, uh, I'm a frail little stick boy. So when someone jumps into my arm... I'm going to crumple backwards and we're going to get hurt. And yeah. it just never, I I really have to question how, like, how these people think and just why they think it's okay. I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of bring the question up to the audience as well. If if there were, if there are any uh, ex-glompers or ex-yaoi paddlers or just... People who may have done an embarrassing thing that related to anime. Like, I remember there was a there was a girl who for, um, I, I guess, you know, obviously to hide her identity, let's call her Amy. Um, she would step on people. You know, like um, Rukia in Bleach? The way she does it to Ichigo? Yeah. Where she'll, like, step on his face. She, oh, that ain't cute. That oh, ain't no, no, cute. yeah. She'd do that if somebody was, like, tying up their shoelaces. She would actually, like, she'd stamp on their face. And 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 she'd always find it so confusing that people would get angry at that. And and also, she used to she used to piss me off as well. Because she used to say One Piece isn't a real anime because it looks too Western. And, ooh, that got me, ooh, that got me frustrated. Mm. I, ooh, it really I got, my, got my goat that did. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just... Now, mm. now, how old was she when she was doing this? Oh, 15, 16. Young. Uh, young girl. Yeah. E- I, old enough to the point where she yeah. should have known better. But, you know... Yeah, I was about to say, I, I try to give more leniency to, like, when I hear stories about 
horrible glomping and yaoi paddle incidents, I try to have a little more room for understanding when it's like, because, you know, a lot of them are 12, 13, 14 year olds. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're young, you're stupid, you gotta make mistakes. Yeah. It'd be like that, but. Ugh. Okay, I'm gonna 15, ask you. 15's kind of pushing it. I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions now, actually, that have just popped to me. Um, one of those being, have you done anything embarrassing that would relate to anime, manga, <laughs> things like that? Because I, let's just say, this podcast is like a, it's like a documentary of dumb shit Clemps has done thanks to anime. So you are well mm. at home if you do. Well, let me think. Let me think. Um, I never owned a yaoi paddle. Good. Um, <laughs> so that's a start. Because, like, I, I I, was also, like, 12 when I started going to conventions. You were 12? Uh, so I was 12, Jeez. yeah. Acon 2007. That was my very first convention. Yeah, see, I must, have been, I must have been 15 when I went to mine. So being 12, that's, like, a that's a dangerous playground. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I, uh, let me see. I, I cosplayed as Nami from One Piece. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know if you know this about me. Love One Piece. I hate oh, One Piece oh. also, but I also love it. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I'm more onto the side of loving it. I haven't really found anything to hate apart from... I don't really like the time skip all that much. Um, it's fine. But I do think the, uh, the initial power level creep was definitely getting to me a bit. I... I'm in a weird place with One Piece. I consider it my favorite anime and manga, but also I I'll be the first person to like totally agree with all the criticisms it gets. Like oh, the so, pacing so, in the anime is garbage. So you mean instance. like uh like me and Final Fantasy? <laughs> yeah, actually, um, <laughs> that sounds about right. But uh, but back to the question at hand. Mm. Yeah, I was uh I was 12 years old when I went to my first convention. I was cosplaying as Nami. I was there with a friend of mine who was only a year older than me. But we were also there with our parents and her older siblings, who at the time would have been, I want to say, in their early 20s? Okay, Something like okay. that. You know, adults, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, huh Um, I don't really know that I did anything just downright stupid. I'm sure I did, and I'm just not remembering. Maybe I blocked it out I of my I was going to say, yeah, you blocked it all yeah. out. I might, I might have been so embarrassed that I just totally blocked it out of my memory. That is absolutely possible. See, you got um, out, you got out of it so easy. Then I, I, I don't know why I was such an embarrassing child. I guess it's to like cover up all the trauma. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure I did. If nothing else, I can say that like, so I, I've gone through phases with cosplay. Like mm. when I was first starting to get into cons, you know, obviously I wanted to cosplay. And if you look, if, if you unearth pictures of like 12 to 15 year old kennedy cosplaying it looks like slop it you know it's it looks atrocious and uh oh god yeah uh and then i stopped cosplaying for a while got back into it then got out of it when i was in college again and i've only recently started getting back into it but uh sure but yeah pictures of me cosplaying in the early days it, it ain't pretty it ain't pretty is it kind of like uh, what's <laughs> my favorite cosplay of them all? The the L cosplayers, where it's you know cla- you. S- or, oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. No, no, no. I was gonna say I, I just I love the range of L cosplayers because you can pull off a great L cosplay if you have somebody or are good at hair and makeup. 
If you are not good at those things, then you're just a motherfucker wearing a white shirt and jeans and wearing no shoes. Put something on. It just <laughs> drives me mad. And uh, you can see some, like, they have, like, the posture down. Like, the really good L cosplayers, you know, they've got, like, great makeup, you know, bags under their eyes. The hair game is on point. Characterization is down. Um, but then you just get some, and I mean, you get some who haven't even put any product in their hair, and it just it just pisses me off every time. I I'm a firm believer that people should, you know, cosplay the way they want, cosplay what they want, and if they don't like looking exactly like the character, it should not be your first concern. But it's like with me looking back on my older cosplays, like it's it's really hard for me because it's me. Yeah. Not to look back and be like, oh god, I look like a. A, a troll doll. <laughs> um, you know, I feel I'm happy for people who can like look back at their costumes, like their older costumes, and just laugh it off. But oh god. Um, oh yeah, my my older costumes my, were garbage. I got an Axel costume. I used to cosplay as Axel, or at least that's oh. what I claimed. That's what I claimed. <laughs> uh, in reality, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a, a long black coat, and you know, I'm a ginger. And, you know, wigs are expensive, and especially for characters like Axel, they're super fucking hard to style. Oh, especially when you're young as well. Oh, yeah, especially when you're young. So literally what I did is I went to, like, uh, Party City or some shit, and I got some, like, wash-in red hair dye, like, fire engine red. Yeah. And I slicked my hair back, and I was like, I did it, I'm Axel! (laughs) I did it! Did you put a little tear Uh, under your eye? I'm sure I did. I have, like, I think a single picture of it. It's, I'm sure if you knew where to look, you could find it, but I'm not even going to hint at anybody where that place might be. (laughs) Oh, no, it's going to be like a treasure hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I used to ask hairdressers specific, I used to, (laughs) I used to Yeah, you did the thing where you asked them to do anime haircuts, you did the thing! I would never, but one time... I I did. I never did the thing, but oh, uh, I I did bring a picture of Cloud into the hairdressers with me, and I was like, "Listen, yo, hairdresser, can I call you hairdresser, please? Can I look like this badass motherfucker? Uh, I will pay you much gold." For this transaction, thank you. Please tell me how this went. Please tell oh, me it, how this went. It was quite literally just my hair with gel in it, and every single time I was like, "Oh yeah, it's fine." <laughs> I was I was expecting them to be like magicians. I didn't understand the concept of it. You know, hair can't do that. Yeah, no, a lot of cosplayers who are able to do stuff like that, there's, like, a lot of wire, a lot of glue, a lot of fucking hair cement. It's a process and a half. Oh, sure, sure, sure. No, I, I have a, like, great amount great amount of respect for um just cosplayers in general. Just the amount of, like, effort you see some of these ridiculous costumes. And, like, the fact that they walk around in it all day in, like, blistering heat, I'm like... Oh boy, it just, it boggles the mind, to say the least. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I did also do the thing uh, where you oh. uh, bring a, an anime character picture which to a hairdresser. One? Which one were you? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So in my uh, in my early teens, I really wanted uh, Yuki Nagato's head haircut from uh, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. I was about to say Danganronpa, like... <laughs> 
I don't think I mean, Danganronpa was around. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, hang on a minute, like, you fucking uh, dummy. <laughs> would have been incredible, though. Uh, right? Yeah, no, Yuki, Yuki Nagato from the Melancholy Haruhi Suzumiya, she has one of those haircuts where it's like, she has bangs, and then it's like kind of a, a pixie cut, but also the, she's got like, the, the front pieces of her hair are kind of longer than the rest. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I wanted that. And uh, I, I specifically remember this happening. My hairdresser was like, well, you don't want the longer the, the front strands to be noticeably longer than the back. And of course, in my head, I was like, no, that's exactly what I want. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm like, what, 12 or 13 at this point. So I'm just like, oh, OK. Yeah, you got to li- you got to listen to the people with more authority. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're just like, OK. And that that was kind of that. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm pouring myself another gin. I'm so you got to get some ASMR, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, so I guess the other question regarding to um, anime conventions is: you say that Hago shirts ah uh, yes yes aren't the equivalent to Yaoi paddles. Is there anything in your mind which would be an equivalent to Yaoi paddles from that period? Like, do you think that? From the era of Yaoi paddles, from you know, the, to now, the Yaoi paddle era of conventions, if you will. Yes. Um, so I actually have an equivalent both for Yaoi paddles and the Ahego shirts. And if this uh, if this podcast is uploaded before my video, then guess what? This is a little sneak peek because Ooh. I'm going to go into a lot more depth in this on my video. So with Yaoi paddles, the best thing I can compare them to is the glomp because the glomp ah. was happening at the same time yaoi paddles were glomps actually would have started just before uh because yaoi paddles didn't start to get sold until like um like to more than like one convention till like the uh like what i want to say 2005 or so i can't remember at the top of my head somewhere around there uh yeah 2004 maybe but glomps uh we were starting to see them in conventions as early as like 2001 2002 and glomps uh there are just as many maybe even more horror stories for glomps than there are yaoi paddles one of the top rated comments on my yaoi paddle video is someone telling a story about how they were glomped so hard at a convention that it fucked their leg up so bad that they i think needed surgery or something like that oh my god and of course you know the person who glomped them you know time only knows what happened to them so obviously they had no help paying the medical bill jeez Um, there's also a lot of voice actors who were subject to the glom. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of them have stories about that, too. But the point being that they were both around at the same time, and it was something that was physically injuring, you know. If you were walking around the convention and you were cosplaying, like Sora or Riku, for instance, mm. maybe Cloud, Tifa, you know, um, just any character that had a popular ship or something or a character who was popular in general in the case of the glomp like there was a very sad and realistic chance that you could get physically injured because someone didn't know how else to initiate a conversation with you Um, (laughs) as for the ahego shirts uh, like I said earlier, I don't know, I, I see why people want to compare it with the yaoi paddle, I don't know if that's entirely fair though because there's been a lot more immediate harm from the yaoi paddle and glomping See, that I we haven't seen with a hago stuff i think that's the not to say people are kind of people are saying it's comparable in some way is because of the amount of people who want them gone from conventions yeah. in that kind of way 
Well, not only that, but also, you know, even if they're not physically harmful, there is a level of harm in the Ahegao stuff in that kids do attend conventions and kids can see it. And I talk about this in the video, but, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, people who argue for them being at conventions, you know, their dominant argument is, well, they should be allowed because it's only faces and, you know, it's only the older crowd that's going to get it anyway. And that was true a few years ago. But if mm -hmm. you go on YouTube now, you can literally look up a Hegao compilation and there are videos with upwards of a million views. There are literally TikTok compilations that have ads in them for a Hegao shirt. It's Jesus. fucking nuts. So it's like... That argument that only the older crowd knows what they are, I, I don't know if that's really the case anymore. I was gonna say because I, I remember being mm -hmm. I, I, you know I remember being a twelve and thirteen year old boy. Twelve and thirteen year old boys know about that shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, so you, you are I, you, oh yeah sorry continue yeah no it's all right. So if I had to compare wearing the Ahegao shirt to anything, um, do you know what people of Walmart is? Uh, um, no, actually, I've never heard of that. Okay, so this is, um, it's a very fun little site. I love this site. And it's just a site compiling just all the weird shit that people Sweet. see in Walmart. Uh, and there's a whole section for profane shirts. And, you know, sometimes it's just people wearing shirts that say stuff like, fuck off. Okay. But then there's also shirts, and I, I don't know if I should say any of it on the podcast, but then there's <laughs> others that are a lot more, let's say, explicit. Um, and... You know, wearing a Hego shirts to cons and saying, well, nobody's going to get it is no different from wearing, you know, one of these shirts that you see on people at Walmart. It's no different from wearing a shirt with like, I don't know, mm. a picture of someone who's like has two hands and one of them is an O and then the other is just, you know, pointed out. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's not explicit, but people get the innuendo. You're not being as subtle and funny as you think you are. Sure. You know, I, I know people I know, you know what you're saying and... You know, <sighs> I know, I know. It's 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 a big old can of worms. And again, I'm working on a more fleshed out video on it. But yeah. it's uh, it's it's a time. It's a time. It's funny because despite all of that, I still I still love going to conventions. It's like one of my favorite parts of the year is going to. Oh conventions. yeah, no, big same. I I love going to conventions. It's like the highlight of my year my month whatever pretty much same yeah honestly like with the meetups that i go to now they're just oh god they're always so fun and like again seeing all the cosplayers i fucking love it like it's, it's just such a fun time it's, it's just a fun experience and especially when you have friends as well like going to the bar afterwards and everything it's an excuse to to party in any fucking like extent you can actually like party with people who who are close to you rather than just going out awkwardly to a club in your hometown. Like, there are people who have the same interest as you everywhere. So you can spark a conversation with pretty much anyone, and it's great. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. It's super fun. And I'm going to be going to the London Comic Con in May this year, which is going to be really, really fun. Um, Obviously, I hope it will be. That's always the hope. I don't think I've ever had a bad anime convention, actually. I've had boring ones. But never ones where I'd say, like, that was a disaster. You know, like, oh, God, everything mm. went wrong in that one. Um, oh, 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 do I have stories about bad conventions. Pray tell. Oh, my God. Mm. Do you know about AzumiCon? I was, <laughs> I was fucking, like, chipping away at some RuneScape, like, mining nodes just there. And I think I just hit the mother load. So, please. <laughs> All right. Mm. So, um... 
I really, I desperately want to make a full video about this one day. I've actually more or less taken the steps to doing it, but I've hit a couple of roadblocks, but I do still want to make a full video about this someday. But sure. so IzumiCon, to understand what made IzumiCon so bad, it's it's like a two-part story. So IzumiCon in general, uh, it's a local convention that we had here in Oklahoma City where I live. Okay. Uh, now, Oklahoma City... Uh, we're kind of cursed when it comes to conventions. <laughs> We've had, uh, you know, we don't have any really big conventions over here, but the ones that we do have, we have a surprisingly large number of anime conventions that have um, just hit bad luck. Interesting. <laughs> um, the most well-known, other than IzumiCon being Super BitCon, which got canceled at one point because of uh, tornadic weather. Oh, dear. And it just hasn't uh, made a comeback. Uh, and then there's just a bunch of others that have just hit a lot of other miscellaneous roadblocks. But sure. uh, despite all that, we had two conventions that have been able to survive, Tokyo and Tulsa, and they, they have their own problems. That's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> and then there's also IzumiCon. Mm. Uh, and IzumiCon happened in Midwest City every year. The first one was in, I believe, 2006 or seven. Right. Uh, Fast forward to 2016, so they're uh, they're having some growing pains, and they need to switch to a different venue. They're in Midwest City, and they decide that they want to move to Oklahoma City, which uh -huh. is the capital. And uh, in Oklahoma City, we have a venue called the Cox Convention Center. I swear that's its actual name. Um, oh, to be fair, I've been to MAGFest. The, the hotel there is a whole other can of worms. Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so they were looking at the Cox Convention Center in downtown Oklahoma City, and they were put at a point, because this is the biggest venue, like, for events that you can get in Oklahoma City, uh, and they were put in a position where it was like, okay, you can either have your event in, you can either totally skip 2016 and have 2017s in January, or you can have one during 2016, but it has to be during a holiday weekend. Right. So they decided to go with January, um... And, you know, it's kind of risky to have a big event like that happen in January because you run into two problems. One, people just don't like spending a lot of money after mm -hmm. the holidays. And two, because of winter weather. But Oklahoma City is a generally warm place. We don't get a lot of winter weather. Uh -huh. So, understandably, they didn't really consider the winter weather thing to be a risk. Mm. And, <laughs> of course, as luck would have it, a massive, massive ice storm hit the weekend uh that IzumiCon was supposed to happen see that sounds and... cozy to me i don't know i don't know about you but i love snow so even if it, at a convention i think even if it was like crazy i'd still be like talking to my friends about it and just being like oh it's kind of cozy like, I, don't, I don't know maybe that's just me well well you'd be doing that if you could get there because <sighs> the thing is oklahoma city like i said we don't get a lot of winter weather so when we do get it we're not exactly the most well prepared for it oh. so when it happened the roads and the highways were covered with black ice it was just a mess and uh, oklahoma city is also extremely spaced out it's not walkable our public transit we only have a bus and it's very very sparse so basically, if you weren't already really close to the downtown area, a lot of people just didn't go. Uh, a lot of artists canceled, if I recall correctly, a couple of guests canceled. But more than Shit. anything, a lot of people just did not show up. Oh, I was no. there that Friday, and it was very, 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 very sparse. Um, oh, dear. Now, by Saturday and Sunday, you know, the ice had kind of started to melt and more mm -hmm. people were showing up. 
But a lot of people, when they saw how bad the weather was that Friday, they decided not to go. And a lot of people got refunds. And the con lost a lot of money. And they were uh, forced to uh, sell themselves. And they got put under new ownership. So Oof. fast forward to 2018. Uh, this is the one that was a disaster. Oh, great. It gets... It gets uh, purchased by someone who's never run a convention before and also great um, news yeah and she also has a bit of a reputation for not being the easiest person to work with Mm. um we'll call her g um (laughs) so um but a lot of azumi cons you know former directors are still around and um they still want to make this con the best they can but um it's just really hard and they're just having a lot of difficulties. Mm. Um, and at one point, so fast forward a uh, couple months before the con, like maybe a month or two before the con, uh, a lot. So I'm actually supposed to be a panelist at this con. Oh, really? Panels. Yeah. So oh, fantastic. Uh, so uh, at one point, uh, two of the guests, Morgan Berry and J. Michael Tatum, uh, they have to... Uh, cancel their appearances at the con because they realized that they had accidentally been double booked and it's when news of this cancellation comes in that a lot of panelists a lot of artists a lot of vendors like myself we start going actually yeah um we haven't heard anything from izumi con maybe we should uh get into contact with them so people Mm -hmm. start going on the site and they realize that the entire section for staff is listed as open nobody is on the convention staff. What? Yeah. Wait, hang on. And Excuse it's like, me? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally every position, like, if you went to the volunteer section, every single directorial position was listed as open. Oh, my. There's no schedule. There's no nothing. So people start reaching out to people that they knew were on the directorial <sighs> staff and to the, uh, you know, to G. And um, although no official announcement was made at the time, you know, the official excuse that was being made was um basically that over a fight and i'm not sure if i can i know how the fight started i don't know if i can say it publicly or not mm. because uh there's actually an ongoing court battle about this oh um, or in that case yeah like don't <laughs> yeah yeah i know what started it a lot of people in the local community know what started it but uh i digress so basically mm. uh the directors and g got into a fight and it escalated to the point where the director's they were getting ghosted by G and they were like, if you don't do anything about this and if you don't stop ghosting us, we're all walking out right now. And of course G was ghosting them. So they all, they all did exactly what they said. They walked out. And, um, so, so yeah, that, yeah. And so there was like, this is like all happening a month or two before the con. So people don't know what's going on. People are trying to get a hold of IzumiCon. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And eventually, a, you know, basically the con is all but canceled at this point. Yeah, sure. And it's not until, I think, two or three weeks before the event actually happened that G made the formal announcement that IzumiCon was canceled. <sighs> and it's like, you know, people who were putting, like, you know, people who were actively keeping tabs on the situation, we knew that the con was all but canceled. Oh, and sure, the general sure. attendees had no fucking idea. Oh. They had planned their whole weekend around this. Um, and it was just a shit show. Uh, oh my favorite my part, my favorite part is that uh, in one part of the post where G was trying to place the blame on anybody but her, 
she mentioned that part of the reason was that the talent and the guests weren't willing to work with us. And what? one of the guests, yeah, and one of the guests was supposed to be Damon Mills, and he clapped the fuck back on Twitter. Oh, fantastic. You know, basically being Ooh, like, juicy. yeah, basically being like, uh, don't try to pin the blame on us. We had nothing to fucking do with this. It's your con, not ours, not our problem. Oh, that's, it was delicious. Oh, that's, oh, it was mm, delicious. That's like a Salisbury steak in my mouth. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so Thank you. juicy. Thank you, Damon Mills. <laughs> oh my um, God, what a shit show. Yeah, to this day, the convention has never been brought back. Nobody wants their name attached to all this bullshit. Uh, the vendors never got refunds. In fact, it was oh. on the local news. One vendor had paid, I think, about $400 for her table at AzumiCon. Never got it back. There's a Google Doc that's circulated of artists and vendors who've never got their money back. General attendees who bought their passes through Eventbrite were able to get refunds. So at least oh there's that. God. But there is uh, there is an ongoing um, legal battle about some of the factors of this. Um, Interesting. It's, it's, pretty fucking nuts and uh yeah and it happened yeah see i'm still trying to i'm still trying to to get like a guest place or like be a panelist at a convention it's so tricky though because i always feel so bad asking people to be like hello can you ask your conventions to, to invite me along please i always feel really really bad but i'm just i'm just trying my best to kind of um reach out a bit more i guess um especially mm-hmm. when it comes to well, I'm not exactly local. I mean, London's about an hour away from me, but you know, things like London that'd be that'd be perfect. Um, I mean, I think like being a panelist would be like a really really fun experience for me, and I just I would love to be able to um to kind of like get behind a mic and just just go to town. But obviously, I'd, I I guess I guess if you're listening to the show and you would like to see Baby Boy do do a little thing then contact your conventions and, and and ask if this stinky little rat can come along that'll be great um i've uh, i've mm. been doing panels at conventions before i've even been on youtube and i i will vouch it's it's super fun never like guest panels um although mm. i will have my first one later this year sooner con hi uh yay but um you know, if it's uh, if it's not a guest panel or whatever, you know, you can always submit panels where you just talk about, you know, stuff you like. Like I've done panels for for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, um, brilliant! Dot Hack, weird anime merchandise, uh, bootleg anime merchandise, all sorts of stuff, and I'll vouch. Being a panelist is super fucking fun. Yeah. And uh, some cons also will like. I mean, every con, I believe, that if you're going to be a panelist, they should at least discount your badge. Most will give you a free badge if you do it. And then other cons will also sometimes uh, give you other fun little goodies. Anime Boston is my favorite con to do panels at because they always give you a bag of candy. Oh, that's... Ooh. Yeah, I love Anime Boston. They're great. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Okay, so I guess at this point... I've got to kind of um, speed things along to the question time, which is obviously uh, totally fine. I'm going to be going for the questions on Twitter. Um, Now, there are a lot of ones here which are regarding things like yaoi paddles, etc. So we have already (laughs) we have already kind of uh, got those got those answered. But there is one. Yaoi paddles hurt. That's the answer. Right. (laughs) Uh, They hurt. (laughs) Yes, seriously. There is one here, uh, which I'm going to ask you specifically, because I have answered this one quite a few times. Um, It is from at Ravan underscore Unicorn. 
and they ask what are the media, games, anime, movies, etc. that had the most impact on you as a person, and if possible, why? Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Mm -hmm, Um, Right? (laughs) I mean, One Piece is obviously my biggest go-to because that's the anime that when I watched it made me, like... So when I got into One Piece, four kids still had One Piece, and I had seen it on TV, and like everybody else at the time, I watched it, and I was like, wow, this is garbage. Um, Well, yo-ho-ho, he ate a piece of gum gum. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The good Um, shit. (laughs) The the good is certainly a word you could use. Um... (laughs) Not the word I'd use, but, um, but yeah, no, but then I was exposed to the subbed version of One Piece, and that's what made me realize, oh, wait, there's, like, uncut versions of anime that you can, like, watch online, uh, fairly easily, you know, this was back in the time where, you know, you'd have to get on YouTube, and it would be, like, uploaded in three parts, maybe two of them are English subbed, and then there's one in the middle that's, like, randomly in Spanish or French, but, um, but One Piece is- yeah, but One Piece is the anime that kind of opened my eyes to that and made me, like, interested in watching anime that weren't airing on American TV. Um, so that that was kind of where I got into anime. Uh, like, again, outside of, you know, people love asking people who are into anime, like, what got you into anime? And it's like, well, there's two different answers, because I think a lot of us grew up on anime on TV, but... I think the one you're more interested in learning about is what made me want to branch off. I, yeah, for that, it's One Piece. I miss the days when you could watch all of Naruto on YouTube in four parts. Ugh. I I I miss those days watching in like three, not even three sixty, like two forty p. I I have a friend who downloaded episodes of anime and put them on her iPod. Oh, and and her Zune, and it's like oh. Isn't it crazy thinking how much YouTube has changed, like, since oh, yeah. then? The fact that I could literally watch all of Naruto up to the, like, Orochimaru saga. I could watch all of them on YouTube if I wanted. And then there was just, like, one day where it's like, they're all just gone. And now now the site is this, this like, disgusting Lovecraftian monstrosity that doesn't even know what it wants to be at times. Oh, I think it knows exactly what it wants to be. It just doesn't want to tell people that. Oh, yeah, it's true. I, mean, I I think it's all but obvious that it wants to be a big boy streaming service, but... Yeah, it's, it's just a shame that they've advertised themselves as a YouTube for the longest time. And if they were to tell people that YouTube isn't really about you... Well, boy howdy, they're going to have quite mm-hmm. the uh, the uprising on their hands. And yeah. quite frankly, I will be there holding a pitchfork. It's going to be glorious. Yeah, but a video complaining about everything wrong with YouTube, that's, that's a whole other can of worms. Back to the, back to the question at hand. Oh, though. yes, please um, go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, One Piece is definitely a big one that springs to mind for me. Um, definitely had a lot of uh, pieces of media that definitely, I think, changed the way I think. You know, I said this recently in my Umineko video that Umineko uh, really changed the way that I like to think about things, like, especially um, logic and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, in a weird way. Um, it also it also helped get me into visual novels. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess let's throw Umineko into the pile. Sure, um, why not? Yeah. Um trying to think what else uh it's okay yeah let's just stick with one piece i don't want to sit here and roll through the list and i think i gave a good answer with one piece 
Yeah, that's fine. Not a problem. Uh, so we have a- another question here from Captain Orko. And uh, they say, opinions on Animal Crossing, both old games and new, and if possible, favourite villagers. Love both of you guys' content. With three love heart emojis. Ooh, how generous. Thank you very much for that question, Captain Orko. Um, I guess I'll start. I love Animal Crossing. I think it's just, I think it's such a sweet, wholesome franchise. And I've got to admit, the I, I, the, the new Animal Crossing trailer, first of all, it's oh, the uh, direct anyway. It was great. But what I found funny about the whole thing is that all of the features they were introducing are things which other games, or other gamers especially, if they were to look into it without playing Animal Crossing, they're gonna be like, why are people excited for these features? There are, there are features <laughs> like, you can jump over a river now, you can, like, climb up small ledges with a ladder, and Animal Crossing fans are, like, slapping the floor with their palms right now and are, like, dabbing as hard as they can, because this is the best <laughs> news they've had in, like, in since New Leaf. This is the since best- Since Animal Crossing was confirmed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I mean, like, terraforming, which I've got to admit is actually a really, really great, um, great inclusion. I've always wanted terraforming, but I've always said that Animal Crossing will never do terraforming, and, um... You know, it was the kind of thing where it's like, they're never ever gonna do it. And I've kind of, I've kind of made my peace with that. So when they said they were doing terraforming, it was like my world became like inverted. It was like, what is this? This strange Animal Crossing is kind of a, kind of a like content filled game now. What is this shit? Because uh, the thing about Animal Crossing is it, it was always very, very simple. And it, it made the big bucks just by being that, you know, it was simple. It was comfortable. You had very bare-bones tasks to complete. Um, it was cute. It was cozy. And it didn't really need to be anything more than that. But for me, I always wanted more tasks. You know, like, I, I, I wanted... I wanted a crafting system. And the new Direct has given us a crafting system. I, I wanted other things to do. You know, I, I kind of... I felt trapped in this little village, this little town that that was given to me. Um, and again, it's why this new Animal Crossing game is as if they've listened to all of the feedback that was given to them, and they're like, ta-da, look at this look at this delicious dish we've prepared we we have uh, prepared for you. And it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. There are things it's, it's like preparing the most simple dish of sp like spaghetti carbonara. Like, everyone's had it, but Animal Crossing fans, they've been eating, like, raw spaghetti for years now. So they're like, oh! <laughs> their, their eyebrows raise, the, the, the saliva dribbles from their big lip. They go, ooh! <laughs> I, I am so excited, because the game, it, it just look it looks, like, cute. And um, my favourite villager, uh, I, I forget his name. There were a couple. One of them was a female white wolf, who was always really cool. There was also a little white squirrel. Um, who had like a blonde quiff? He was all—he was always quite adorable. Um, there's also a cat who shares my birthday. That is March twenty seventh. Um, and uh, she was always adorable. But other than that, I guess anyone who looks cute and who I'd kind of want as a pet, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Th those are my dudes. Oh, there was a goth sheep, as well. Um 
goth sheet. Yeah, there was a sheet, and her, like the inside of her house is all like decked out in gothic Lolita stuff. She was great. She was awesome. She was also like, um, she's a big sister type in the game, so she's always very caring about you, and it's like, oh, <laughs> the caring. I don't goth. know who she is, but I like her. She's very, very sweet. Um, now we were talking a little bit before the podcast about your experience of Animal Crossing. Why don't you just go into that a little bit? Yeah, so I, I've never fucking played an Animal Crossing <laughs> game. Uh, I have friends who have sold their soul to Mr. Nook. Um, but uh, but when New Leaf came out, I didn't have a DS yet. And by the time I did get one, I just, it was no longer relevant. You know, I had other things to play. Sure. Um, that said, I am looking forward to playing this. I hope to see what all the fuss is about. I mean, I like games like Stardew Valley and Harvest Moon, so I'm hoping that I'm going to like this one too. Um, I'm going to be at PAX East this weekend, and it was literally confirmed today that they're going to have demos there and that they're going to have like a reproduction of part of the island there, That's which so cool. I have no doubt is going to be adorable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Um, I know virtually nothing about it, though. I know, like you said, that everybody's losing their goddamn mind over terraforming. Uh, I know. I know that there's one villager who shares a birthday with me, August 14th, and he's a lion, and he's also a smarty pants professor, and I like him because I feel like I can relate to that. <laughs> wholesome content. It's so wholesome. I love it. I want all of them. They're my children, and I love them. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, Animal Crossing is just a really nice, um, comfortable game. I put a lot of a lot of time back into it, back on the 3DS, but again, as I said, there, there wasn't enough to do so I could, like, you know, really go crazy. I mean, there are some people who've put, like, thousands of hours into it, and they've made their villages look absolutely amazing, and I, I've i just got to ask, like, how did you get that much time? Like They, they sell their soul to Mr. Nook. Yeah, pretty much. It's, they it, sell their soul. It, I mean, yeah, it's, it's why before that direct, everyone was like, constantly pestering Nintendo, like, Twitter accounts to give them more Animal Crossing news, and it's just, it's, it, people are rabid for it. It's like Bayonetta right now. People are, I... oh, rabid for Bayonetta news. And for people listening in the future, if you're a time traveler and you're playing Bayonetta 3 right now, I hope it's good. <laughs> I'm gonna lose my shit the minute they put a trailer out for Bayonetta. I low-key fucking love Bayonetta. Okay, good shit. Bayonetta is my second favorite game of all time. It is so good. Bayonetta is such a great character. And I love the fact that they have so much promotional art. Of her and Jean being a delightfully wonderful couple that just fills my heart full of, like, happiness and joy. <laughs> it's so lovely. Um, but yeah, I just I just think uh, the games are amazing. Don't get me wrong. I, th I think Bayonetta 2, it didn't really drop the ball. It just was not as good as Bayonetta 1 in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? I like Bayonetta's design in two better, and I still think that two is a great game. But yeah, I think I think that one stands up stronger. Like when I go back and replay chunks of them, I just find that there's a lot more fun. I completely agree. One. I have a fun story about how I got Bayonetta one. Oh please uh, do please share. 
there uh there was a blockbuster not do you guys have did you have blockbuster in the uk we had blockbuster and i still miss it to this day (laughs) so uh one of the blockbusters uh, in Oklahoma City, which was pretty close to where I was living at the time, was one of the last few to close. I mean, there's wow. still, like, I think one or two in Alaska that are still open. But, you know, when the stores at large were closing, it was in that last kind of wave to close. And Bayonetta was uh, a fairly new game at the time that mm-hmm. they were going out of business. And it was... A new-ish game, I remember. It wasn't, like, brand new, just came out a month ago. But I think it was, like, no older than maybe a year old at that time. Yeah. It was new enough. And I remember going there for their going at a business sale. And I picked up Bayonetta 1 and Soul Calibur 4 for, like, $10 combined. $10 total. This is the fact that I've played Bayonetta so much now. I've got so Mm -hmm. much, like, so many hours out of it. And it's... (laughs) It is kind of depressing seeing how, like, cheap it is now. I I, I think she deserves more than that. Like a third game? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think she does. And Maybe a little bit? Uh, just a little, just spare a crumb of Bayonetta Coochie, please. Please, man. Yeah, just... A, a logo, anything. Oh my god, I swear to god, Kamiya, like, I, 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 I do love the man. He's a shit poster at heart. But he... He recently said, like, they've said it so many times, right? like, Bayonetta 3 is in development, da-da-da. and I'm like, yeah, I get that, I get that it's going smoothly. But then he said, there are a lot of clues in the uh, announcement trailer, or the teaser trailer, and I'm like, you cannot be telling us to watch that original trailer, trying to, like, I see, now I know there are going to be, like, thumbnails popping up all over YouTube going, like, what we missed in the Bayonetta free teaser trailer. Bayonetta exposed. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh. oh my god. I mean, again, like, for time travelers, I'm sorry if this is wrong. Uh, if I am wrong, then you can throw a future pie in my face. But I swear to god, there's this bit where the the purple flames are, like, coming towards the screen. And I swear it looks like Rodan that causes her to, like, disintegrate into smoke. So I I wonder, scratch his chin, raise his eyebrow, if um, Rodan is going to be a villain in Bayonetta 3, which I think would kind of make sense. I really don't know if it would make sense. Well, the fact- and I'm going to be honest why hmm. I think this. I cannot follow the goddamn story of Bayonetta at, really? at all. At, at all. It's quite- <laughs> if you put a gun... If you put a gun to my head and was like, please describe the story of Bayonetta, I'd be like, can I describe Kingdom Hearts instead? <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, it's only because, like, Rodan is always so... he, he lit- At any point he can, he always tells Bayonetta, like, yo, if I need your soul, I will fucking take it. Like, needs be, I will have it. So, I don't know, maybe some higher force pays him a lot of money to fuck with Bayonetta, and maybe this new Bayonetta game will be Jean 1. Right? <laughs> you know I, what I mean, mean? <sighs> I'd love that. <laughs> um, I've never liked Jean's design. I like her design in 2 a lot more than 1. I just, I, I have a very specific thing with, like, the makeup game. Like, I love makeup. I love, like, how it works and everything. And I, I there's just something about Jean's eye makeup where I'm like, ah, Ah, it just, mmm, it, ooh, like, <laughs> Bayonetta is like, bam, and then, like, Jean, I'm like, ooh, those eyelashes, like, honey, shit. 
I just get so like hyper specific about it. Don't get me wrong, great character. I love Jean, but ah, I just, I just, I just need that makeup to be like, bam, and it just never hits for me. I like, I like her color palette in a uh, in Smash, the mm. the Jean color palette on Bayonetta. I think, I think that's like my favorite. Have you seen the promotional art for like Bayonetta and Jean? Where and I, uh, it, where they're like, I swear to God, there's one of them like naked and like cuddling and embracing, and and I have not seen this, but you have my attention. I will send them to you after this. There's also one of them like almost grazing lips. There's one of them with like Jean on top of Bayonetta, and Bayonetta is under Jean, and they're looking to the camera, and I'm like, how can you not see them as girlfriends? They love each other. <laughs> I, po- I love this. I, I posted about it on Twitter the other day, and like this is all fun and games, don't get me wrong, but I think people took that tweet a lot more seriously than I intended it to be. Cause I, I it's bas- the Twitter experience. Yeah, pretty much. Any any chance for outrage and people are bam, they are there. Um it was pretty much just like Bayonetta is in development going smoothly, no fears. The ch- the off chance they'll give Bayonetta a love interest that isn't Jean. One fear. <laughs> I am. I don't want her to have another love interest. She loves Jean, but I think what people like didn't really get about that tweet is that it was it was all a bit of fun, really. You know, to be honest with you, mm. I'd rather Bayonetta just stay single. Quite frankly, I kind of rather she just be her own bitch and just go shopping a lot. That suits Bayonetta I mean, a bit more. I. I'd I'd play that game. <laughs> right? I mean to be fair, it's what she did in Bayonetta 2. It was literally the intro. She was like starting the game off walking her dog Enzo with with her roommate Jean. <laughs> and like that's how the game started. It's like uh, I don't know, man. I just Oh, I just want some Bayonetta news. I am what so is... hmm? So maybe I'm reaching a little bit here. So do you did you do you remember Kim Possible at all? Oh yeah! Oh, well, da, 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 da. yeah! Of course, I remember Kim Possible. Yeah. So, did you did you ever go on DisneyChannel.com with your parents' permission <laughs> to play any of the Flash games they had on there? Never ever. So they had one. I wish I could remember the name, but it was like Kim Possible's shopping whatever, and it was literally a game where you play as Kim, and it was like kind of a very bare bones platformer where it's like you're just. Uh, trying to navigate your way through a mall and it's like on different platforms or different pieces of outfits uh-huh. <laughs> and you're just trying to piece together a good outfit for whatever the situation the game is describing. Oh my god. What about a Bayonetta mini game like that where it's just you as Bayonetta just jumping to different platforms with different clothes and you just play dress up. You see I, I think if they I'd were... play that spin-off game. If they I'd were ever that. gonna do that it would be Enzo where Bayonetta is throwing bags at him and he's gotta catch him. I mean, I'd play that too. Like, like the fucking sandwich stacker game. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can rebrand Disney Channel and Bayonetta. Look at that. I mean, with the mini games Same they've shit. had in Bayonetta so far, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, <laughs> I'd I'd play I'd play just a big ass collection of Bayonetta mini games. Right. If they wanted to release that while we wait for three. Yes, sir. you see the- I'm desperate, I need it. Uh, I know, it's, it's, well, we have got this announcement on the 27th, and by the time this podcast is out, it will not be the 27th. Um, I've seen some people, like, theorize a bunch of stuff, so again, this- even- for anybody watching right now, you already know what this announcement is. 
Um, but I'm hoping for either a Bayonetta free trailer or I'm I'm going on like a big reach here. Like I am reaching. I kind of like Revengeance 2. Like like Metal Gear? Metal Gear Revengeance 2, yeah. See, I, I feel like that I've said this before, and again, even if it isn't the case, because I mean, what what is your whole like thought on the Platinum 4 thing? I personally think it's genius. I think it's such a fun way to keep you like invested in the Platinum brand. I'm I'm gonna be real with you, fam. I have not been keeping tabs on it. All <gasps> I know is that if you go to the wonderful 101 Kickstarter, there's a thing where if you donate enough money, Hideki Kamiya will block you on Twitter. <laughs> I think it's cute that they're they're admitting that. And like it's just a thing that Kamiya does now. It's just like yeah. I want to be blocked by Hideki Kamiya. <laughs> I'm scared of getting blocked by Kamiya. I like I like reading his tweets. Like don't get me wrong, like I think I think I unfollowed him once because he was spamming his timeline with just like blocked, 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 blocked. And I was like, right, okay, this is a little bit too what a, much. What a hero. <laughs> what a hero. God bless him. Um, um But yeah, hmm. I haven't been keeping a whole lot of tabs on whatever's whatever the fuck is going on at Platinum Games. Um You don't know about I mean, the whole, I like, like Platinum 4 thing? No. Really? Oh my god, I'm actually I, well, I, I I'm not like I like Bayonetta. And I feel like there's definitely another platinum game that I like, but <laughs> I'm totally forgetting it. And then I'm going to go back. Like, we're going to finish recording this and I'm going to be like, oh my God, of course, I love XYZ. I was going to say, there are a lot of people in the audience right now who are like holding a knife to your throat, like that smug yeah, cat picture. Let me <laughs> fucking, let me fucking Google fucking platinum <laughs> games, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure there's another one I like, but the point, the point I'm getting at here is that it's like... It's not really at the top of my list for things to keep tabs on, and I guess whoever the fuck is talking about this isn't talking about it in a way where it's being put in my face and unavoidable. I'm sure you and Buns and other people are talking about it, but maybe I've just managed to strategically dodge everything. <laughs> me and me and to. Buns, we've been talking so much about this whole thing. We've been talking about the Bayonetta thing. We've been talking about Platinum Four. The whole Platinum Four thing, I I really think is is kind of genius. Um, it's what a lot of people are doing nowadays. Now that uh, now that E three has essentially fucked itself. Um, let's be real here. E3 doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's quite embarrassing, like, reading what they've done. I mean, now that Jeff Keighley's pulled out as well, it's like, well, rest in peace, E3. Um, like, people are now starting to do, like, there, there's the new, I forget what it's called, the Sony Direct, whatever it's called. we got Nintendo Direct. Platinum have got a great idea with this Platinum 4 thing, where the very first thing on the Platinum 4 is the wonderful 101 Kickstarter. So they've got three other announcements they're going to be releasing at an unexplained date. And I love that mm. because it keeps people talking. I really, really love that. Like, just getting people excited for your brand and just being like, what could it be? And there are so many people thinking it's going to be like um, another Yoko Taro game. Because the four is kind of glitching on the screen. Um, but I've I've said this before and I'll go on record where... If the next Yoko Taro game we get is um, automata related, so, you know, Android uh, centric, 
I'm going to be a little disappointed. Because I kind of feel like that storyline is done at this point. And I really don't want them to ever touch it again in as much detail, quite frankly. Um, I just want them to leave it alone and go on with some other unique ideas, because the way Yoko Taro jumped from Nier to the themes of Nier Automata, if he can make that jump again, then that'll be fantastic. I just don't want any more fucking androids, to be quite honest with you. I've had my fill, sir. Give me some other protein on this dish. I wish I could agree or disagree with you, but I've never played a near game at all. Holy and I regret, shit! I regret to inform you that I have just googled a list of platinum games, and the only ones that I've actually played are Bayonetta and Bayonetta Two. I can't believe I have to fucking cancel you on Twitter.com right now. This is this is I... this is abysmal. Red Bard is Sorry. cool. I'm I'm too cool. I'm too cool. I've transcended. Well, <laughs> well, you know what? I have a few great games to recommend for you. Then I recommend you go over to Steam right now and check out Metal Gear Revengeance if you like Bayonetta. You know, oh, that's know, gonna I've, be good. You know how does this make you feel? I've only played a little bit of Metal Gear 2. I got stuck at one of the first boss fights and I just kind of fucking gave up. And that is the only exposure. I've ever had the Metal Gear. Okay. I'm really bad at stealth No, no, games. it's fine. No, no, it's fine. Metal Gear Revengeance, you don't need to play a single goddamn one. It is an action game. You do not need to stealth. Um, There are slow motion segments where you can chop enemies' limbs off. You can drag out their spine to use as healing fluid. Um, It is an action game. First and foremost, and I heavily recommend you play it i'm intrigued you do right. not need to be a metal gear solid fan to play metal gear revengeance you just have to like fluid gameplay really fun dumb events uh for example I- i'm gonna because by the by this point everybody knows but i'm gonna spoil it for you a little bit the final boss is like the american chancellor And he takes a bunch of bio machines and he rips off his shirt and he fucking punches you for a whole fight (laughs) while he like, and when he punches you, the nano machines like harden and his body turns like jet black. (laughs) And he goes like, nano machine, son. And he is also, he, I am not joking, but this is not a joke. He said, make America great again before Trump. Oh dear. He actually says it in the game and it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty crazy listening to it. It is a magical experience where you get to punch the American Chancellor and not even punch, you get to slice the American Chancellor in the, in the face because he's trying to make like he's essentially trying to make war like uh, uh, he's trying to make like everybody fight because it'll mean like, the weapons industry will boom, and it'll make, like, you know, kind of, uh, the Amer- American businesses flourish. And that's his whole thing, and fucking Raiden's just like, no. <laughs> no, I'd rather not ban. He literally walks into the room when all this is happening, and he's just like, nah, It is, it is, son. it's, uh... Nah! It is so goofy. There's one guy who literally, like, can detach all of his limbs 
And as st- one does. It's so, so yeah, I, I do recommend go onto Steam right now, put it on your wish list. Uh, it's great. There's another platinum game I can recommend to you, Vanquish. Um, really fun kind of uh, it's like an action shooter, but they do it with like a bit mm-hmm. of a platinum flair, and I think you'll probably enjoy that quite a bit. I think my boyfriend's played that one. I I could have swore I've heard him talk about it before. It's very good. Sorry if I'm rambling, by the way. I no, just, it's all good. It's all good. I just love Platinum so much, and I just want... You know, I was kind of getting those vibes. I just want Bayonetta 3, and I'm getting really emotional about it. I love my bitch so much. She's my spirit animal. <laughs> The world will become a happier place as soon as they drop that Bayo 3 It's trailer. true. Um, so I'm going to stop rambling now. I'm actually going to cut myself off because there is an, there is an interesting question here uh, that mm-hmm. I is specifically for you, but I guess I can answer it even though I'm not as well-versed in it as you are. So it's a visual novel question. <laughs> Incorrect. It is a history question. Oh. Yes. Oh. Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. Here we go. So, go from at Revelo nineteen eighty nine, what part of medieval history do you think gets overlooked? I saw this question on Twitter, and I was so hoping you would ask this oh, because the answer. Fantastic. The answer is literally all of it, except for the Black Death. Really? Literally all of it. I Why? okay. So I don't know how y'all. Okay. So I don't know how y'all do it over there. So I can't speak for how they talk about it in Britain. From what I've been told from British friends of mine. You know, generally they'll be like, okay, we fought the French for a while. Magna Carta was fucking awesome. Geoffrey Chaucer, uh, and then the Tudors. Awesome. Cool. We're done. Uh, in American schools, we, uh, Sorry, if I can interrupt you really quickly, I I think before we go into detail, explain to people why you have such an interest in history. Because this is something that you, yeah, you haven't really explained very much, and I think that you know, people who may not know your content or you in general may like to know a little bit about your fascination with history. Okay. Okay. So hi, my name is Kennedy. And when I'm not busy being a fucking weave, I'm a, uh, I'm a medievalist. Uh, there we go. I, whether or not you can call me a full blown historian is a little up for debate. I have written a couple of papers, uh, one of which I am trying really hard to get published right now. Oh, fantastic. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> But the the fact of the matter is, yeah, hi, I'm Kennedy. I study medieval history. I study medieval art history. And my area of expertise is England in the um, 15th and 14th centuries. Um, hmm. d- don't even get me started on the Ghent altarpiece or Richard III will be here all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, to get back to the uh, question, yeah, in American schools, at the very least, we basically uh, do not talk about it at all. Uh, we basically say, uh, you know, they all kind of do the same thing. It was the Dark Ages, you know, the churches ruled everything. Nobody thought for themselves. Nothing happened. So we're just, just going to fucking skip this whole thing. Hundred years war happened. Sure. Uh, and then, and then Gutenberg made the press, and suddenly everybody was educated. This is grossly inaccurate. Ooh. On so fucking many levels adjusts and I, monocle oh, raises yeah. raises shirt so it's there not was a down. lot there was a lot of advancement that happened during the medieval era it's just that for whatever fucking reason nobody wants to talk about it i don't know if it's because they're not interested or it's because they have 
juicier things to talk about like okay i get it you want to get to uh you know the italian renaissance happens like shortly after yeah uh you know the early modern period and who doesn't like to talk about henry the eighth you know like i get it i'm There's sick other of that, that motherfucker man we learned about him so much in school again mm-hmm. because obviously i live in england we we fucking you know english history the tudors fucking medieval history it was all a thing they drown you in Henry like Henry VIII stuff to the point where mm-hmm. you're just sick of it. You're like, yeah, I get it. He killed his wives. Who hasn't? Like, get on with it, fam. Jeez, Louise. And I, I think, like, I, I can't remember. I think we went on, like, a school trip to, to like, um, at least, like, a part where Henry VIII kind of ruled. I, where did Henry VIII, where, where was he located again? Well, here's the thing with kings in the medieval period and the early modern period. They weren't really centrally located anywhere. They kind of moved around with their entourage. Yes, yeah, uh, think... some kings ah, I... some kings mm. did have castles that they preferred over others. Um Henry VIII, I don't know enough about him to know if there was a castle that people particularly liked. I can't remember the name, but there is a castle somewhere in England that Anne Boleyn is particularly well associated with, and you can see her Book of Hours that she and Henry wrote love letters to each other in, and I'd love to see it one day. It's... Oh, wild. Quite a sight, but um, at the top of my head, though, I would think the Tower of London is pretty closely associated with him. Tower of London is such a... It, it's, I don't say this is a bad thing. It's it's like quite a big tourist trap right now. Like if you go to that particular part of London, it's kind of oh, like I believe it. there's like the London Eye, which is obviously quite a big attraction. Uh, there's like the Tower of London, which is essentially like a theme park ride at this point. Um, you don't really that get, mm. is. <laughs> oh. No, I'm sorry. I just think that's really funny. Well, that's the thing is that you go through it and they have people like telling you all this gruesome shit, and it's essentially like. <laughs> it's here, really, know, it's kind of like a haunted house ride, really. You know, so like I said just a moment ago, Richard III is a particularly um, big topic for me. I literally have a framed portrait of him on my desk. Is he the um, guy who like poisoned those kids? No, who's the? Who's, he's not. What did he do? And that's the problem. What did he that's do? No. Okay, okay. Because so, from what I heard, he poisoned some yeah, fucking kids. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you heard that. But then, I'm sure a hang lot on a of people minute. heard that. Is my is my life about to be flipped turned upside down? Well, okay. So Richard the Third is a really. If you want to get any medievalist hot and bothered. Ask them what they think about Richard III. There are people who feel so divided about Richard III. There is an entire society called the Richard III Society dedicated to restoring his reputation. I'm staring so, at my mic right now with, like, sparkling eyes. I'm like, what fucking, okay. what, what treasure trove of Richard III okay, lore? Okay, so <laughs> the, story, the story you probably heard is the fact that he poisoned or otherwise killed Edward V and his other brother Richard in a bid to get to the throne. Yeah, we watched Whether a cartoon he... about that in school. There's a cartoon. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, he's um, he's literally like that eh, ginger. Eh, eh, eh. He's like a villain. I I don't doubt that he is. But yeah, <laughs> the point is that he is a villain. So the Tudors only got to the throne because Henry the Seventh overthrew Richard the Third at the uh, end of a long period of history. I'm sure you're familiar with called the Wars of the Roses. We don't learn about that here in America, but suffice to say, for all the American listeners out there, it was a 
period of on and off civil wars between the House of York and the House of Lancaster in England over who gets to have the yeah, crown. Yeah, I kind of fought in that um, for a little bit, but after a while I got bored, so I left. Yeah. You know and, how it uh, is. And Edward IV, he was king for a long time. He was a great king. He was one of the very few medieval kings in England to ever, uh, by the time he was off the throne, England wasn't in debt, which is something only a very small number <laughs> of kings can boast. Yeah, he was great. And he had a brother named Richard, who was always a super loyal brother, and he also had two sons who were named Edward and Richard. And uh, when Edward died, when Edward IV died, he died unexpectedly, and Edward V was supposed to take the throne, hmm. but he was also a child. And the fact of the matter is, the the boys were put under Richard's protection, and they died. There are a lot of people who feel very passionately about whether or not they think it was Richard that killed him, or whether it was, um, you know, there's a popular belief that it was, um, oh god, there's like, there's one theory that they escaped, there's one theory that they died on their own, there's one theory that it was Margaret Beaufort who oh, killed them, and I think, those, I think those are just absolutely ridiculous, because Margaret Beaufort Spill had the tea, no way honey. <laughs> of uh, getting to the boys at the time. Uh, there was the Duke um, Stafford, I want to say, it was one of, it was one of Richard's guys who participated in a rebellion against him the point being that there's a lot of arguments over it personally personally <laughs> i'm of the belief that richard played a role in their death mm. whether it was perhaps he ordered it or perhaps he was aware of it and just didn't do anything about it sure, because it sure. was in his best interest not but what a lot of people forget is the context under which this happened so uh Edward the Fourth was married to a woman named um, fucking being put on the spot Elizabeth. It's okay, Elizabeth. Yeah, um, we'll call her that for now. <laughs> no, I'm gonna Google it. Oh sure, go ahead, go ahead. Talk about her all the time. <laughs> Elizabeth Edward the Fourth's wife. <laughs> um, no, I can't believe I'm forgetting. It's okay. Woodville. Oh! Um, <laughs> So Edward IV was married to a woman named Elizabeth Woodville, and um, the long and short of it is that the Woodvilles were immensely unpopular. And when Edward died, to Richard, it looked like the Woodvilles were trying to start a coup, were trying to start an uprising so that they could maintain, I tried saying remain and maintain, <laughs> so that they could maintain power over the English throne, which is something that would have been really dangerous for Richard. So from Richard's perspective, the Woodvilles are trying to start an uprising but from the woodville's perspective richard is trying to start an uprising isn't it crazy and... that this kind of maybe happened <laughs> so mm -hmm. like i, so it's, I, I like... it's it's a shame that back in the day when i was in high school i never really paid attention in history but now i'm older i'm like yo british well, history english history is kind of fucked dude like well well honestly it might even be that you weren't taught this because like a lot of this stuff it, it takes a lot of time and you know a lot of these classes are just trying to get you a brief overview of everything really quickly and they just don't have time and also there's the fact that sometimes these professors don't know and that's a yeah. whole other tangent but the but the point is that um there was a lot of conflict at the time between the Woodvilles and Richard uh so it's but the point is that Richard although there is a pretty decent chance that he did kill the boys he wasn't the villain that the Tudors like to make him out to be and the Tudors like to to make him out to be a villain because the Tudors were so, so fucking good at branding and Henry VII had a really shaky claim to the throne. They got their fucking merch on. 
Well, basically, yeah. Like, basically, what they did was, when in doubt, you know, make it look like Richard III was an evil usurper who was just a horrible king, and now the Tudors are here, and they're going to fix everything. So this uh, is essentially medieval YouTube drama. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way you could put it. You know, like, um, perhaps the biggest ways they did this were, one, uh, we don't have any contemporary surviving portraits of Richard III. We have reproductions, and... Among the earliest of those reproductions, they have been x-rayed and, um, you know, there was one rumor that, um, I mean, it, it ended up being true, uh, but, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the tutors liked saying, oh, he was an evil hunchback. And it, it is true that he did have scoliosis, but um, it wouldn't have been super noticeable under his clothes, but... If you go and you look at the x-rays of some of the earliest uh, reproductions of the paintings of Richard III we have, you'll see that they actually painted over them to give him an emphasized hunch. Oh, okay. If you look at uh, things like the broken sword portrait, you know, you'll see more of that same propaganda of just making him look like a shitty king. And then Elizabeth uh, I, she was the one who would do the most damage. So, you know, Shakespeare was um, around and kicking back when Elizabeth was on the throne. And to please Elizabeth, he wrote an entire play about Richard III uh, that is a grossly inaccurate depiction of the events. Was Shakespeare uh, fucking simping over the Queen? Uh, I I don't know. No, not as far as I know. But the fact of the matter is that she was signing his paycheck, basically. Uh, Uh, Hermie Valid. Uh... And if you piss off the queen and you even imply that, hey, uh, maybe those Plantagenet folks, maybe the House of York was pretty cool. You know, it's it's a real mm. easy way to get yourself real unpopular real fast. You know, her dad, Henry VIII, systematically killed anybody who even kind of had a claim yeah. like, through the Yorkist line to the throne. But anyway, he wrote a play about Richard III that made him out to be just a horrendous villain who basically planned everything from the start. He is the one who framed his brother, George the Duke of Clarence. He's the one who saw to the death of Edward IV and then killed his boys in in cold blood, and then he poisoned his wife, Uh, which none of that is true. I mean, jury's still out on what happened to the kids, but at the very least, George, Duke of Clarence, all the drama that happened between him and Edward had nothing to do with Richard, and he most certainly didn't poison his wife. Um, In fact, he was actually pretty close to his wife. Um, And, you know, a lot of historians like who do defend the theory that Richard poisoned his wife, like pointing to the idea that, well, he sure was looking for another wife pretty quick after she died. Mm. It's like, well, uh, yeah. Cause at this point he didn't have a son and heir. And as I'm sure he was hyper aware of his claim to the throne is extremely shaky. Look at Henry the eighth. Like, I just kind of love the idea <laughs> you know? that the historians are fighting over things. They just cannot logically prove. I absolutely love yeah, that. That's a no, thing that goes are... on. There are a lot of things like that. Like, if you want to get a medieval historian, if you want to see a room full of medieval historians fight, ask them about, um, you could start by asking them about what they think about Richard III. Uh, another really good thing to ask them is, uh, what does the Arnold Feeney portrait mean? What's the Arnold Feeney portrait? What is, g- give, us, give us a little rundown on that. Oh, the Arnold Feeney portrait is a portrait by Jan van Eyck. He is brilliant. He is the master of the northern renaissance he's phenomenal painter gent altarpiece guy uh well one of the two gent altarpiece guys i digress so he has this one portrait called the arnolfini portrait and it portrays a man and a woman and that's a pretty much the only thing you can say about it for uh, for a fact hmm. because what it means and what they're doing and what it's meant to mean 
is all very hotly debated to this day. There's some people who say it's meant to be a marriage portrait and we can tell because of the way they're holding hands and because of the way we see the viewer looking in through the mirror in the back. There's also people who say that it's like uh, meant to celebrate his wife getting pregnant. It's like, okay, well, she wasn't pregnant at the time. And uh, speaking of pregnancy, uh, the woman in the picture looks like she may or may not be pregnant. I've seen people argue she is pregnant. I've seen people argue that no, it's her fabric is really thick and she's just holding it up to emphasize how much of it she has because one other thing we can say safely about it is that it is portraying that the subjects have a lot of wealth we can tell because of just everything in the background all the symbolism mm. like there's oranges and there's a dog and also there's just a lot of stuff in general and we know that the Arnolfinis were a merchant family so you can argue that she's pregnant or you can argue no she's just showing off her fucking flashy clothes <laughs> she's just doing it in a way where it's bundled up by her stomach so it, it kind of looks like she's pregnant um see that's in that that's that's just interesting i, I just love that yeah do you ever wonder so I, we're kind of getting near the end of the podcast right now but i guess mm-hmm. i'll ask you one final thing do you ever wonder how maybe like 300 years people are going to look back on today no oh, i think about that every fucking day yeah it's every well if we go on that long <laughs> well yeah that's a point yeah i, I... uh no, I think about this all the time because, like, when I do research for things like, um, like my Gaia video is one where <laughs> I especially had to do this, where I literally am using forum posts and tweets as sources. I, I actually had one we- of the, um, I forget exactly who it was. I think it's a moderator or, like, somebody who was heavily involved with the, the creation of Gaia, I think. He actually, I think he's a patron of mine because he reached out being like, hello, it's so-and-so from Gaia. And I was like, oh, my God. God, what's <laughs> a blast from the past? Yeah, seriously, man, Gaia, the good old days. But yeah, back back to the point at hand. It's like I'm literally using them as sources to talk about internet history, and the fact of the matter is, the internet is the largest. You know, in the same way that medieval historians, you know, we look back on manuscripts and notes, you know, as a pretty integral source to learn more about what people were thinking during the time. I think historians 300 years from now are going to be doing the same with our tweets and our forum posts. And uh, shaping their opinion of us accordingly. If the tweets are even going to exist by then, I mean, God knows. Well, I'm sure there's going to... Well, I shouldn't say, I'm sure there's going to be a way to archive them by then. I mean, yeah, like, how is the internet people... even going to be like a... like a How is it, how is the internet going to be in those years? Like, I, I just can't even imagine what form it's going to take, really. It's... You know... You know, I say this all the time, but people not thinking that something has to be archived is the best surefire way to guarantee it'll end up being lost. You know, Henry VIII, uh, he didn't think that the medieval manuscripts were super important because at the time they weren't that old for the most part. So when he, you know, started the dissolution and a lot of these manuscripts got destroyed to them, it wasn't a big deal to to people now. It's like, oh my God. What have you done, you monster? Uh, And even in more recent history, uh, you know, a lot of early films from, like, the 20s, I forget the exact science behind it, but the film that they were filmed on wasn't meant to be, like, long-lasting. And we've lost so many films because so many... Oh, yeah, it's estimated that, like... More than half of the earliest films in cinematic history are fucking gone no. because nobody thought that they were worth archiving in any way. Oh, um, that's depressing. If I'm not mistaken, I think, I really, I could be wrong here, but if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Metropolis 
that there's actually entire chunks of the movie that are gone because nobody thought to archive them. Well, that's the, I, uh, I, I, it, it is really... The same can, I'm sorry, go on. No, I was about to say the same can be said about the posters as well. You know, nobody was thinking at the time that people would want to see these later on. And um, a couple of years ago, I had the utmost pleasure to see uh, Kirk Hammett's uh, classic horror movie poster collection. Mm. And at the centerpiece of his collection was the only intact, full... Uh, original movie poster from the Boris Karloff Frankenstein and it's the only one that survives in its entirety because nobody at the time thought that they were worth keeping around and even his had to go under some pretty intense restoration eyes had to be entirely restored because at the time people would poke out the eyes in the poster so they could put lights behind them so it makes it looks like his eyes are shining but it's like it's just incredible to think that like things that you know whether we realize it or not we are going to repeat the same patterns we are going to run into things in our lives that we don't think are worth archiving but you know even a century from now even sooner you know people are going to be like god why didn't people i mean fucking save this shit the, the way i think i i just think like historians in about 300 years or hell even 100 it's going to be so much different from what we have now because we have documentary we have like documentaries on dvd and blu-ray that give a pretty accurate like look into what modern day is life now modern day is life modern day is like now and i can only imagine being in a school in like 300 years and looking back on that and and just the fact that it it's it might exist in in like that time period just boggles my mind just how different people are going to look on the past because they have such a a clear window into it you know you know it's what tell you what might fuck you up even more is that they might not even consider it worth talking about you know it's kind of like the middle ages a lot of teachers don't think it's worth talking about because the popular belief is that it's a I hate the phrase the dark ages because it implies that no thought was happening at all. Yeah. Could not be farther from the truth. You know, they're going to be like, like they might be like, so around the same time Donald Trump became president, Brexit happened and that was stalled forever, but it happened. Um, that, yeah, those will be like the on. only bits which are kind of like in. Yeah, and then they'll just move on because maybe there's something that happens in the 2020s or the 2030s that's just going to overshadow all of this uh or maybe or maybe they'll be like okay so a great recession happened in 2008 and it made the markets suck really bad oh that'll be something like you can imagine and the great recession that sounds great like recession. something yeah that sounds like something well, which like kids would have to write well, papers on yeah and you know they probably will in all honesty uh but yeah they might be like well the great recession happened and then and i hate it when history classes do this when they make it sound like two things that happened like maybe kind of close to each other but they make it sound like they happen like yeah back yeah. to back and this and i totally think this is going to happen they're going to be like the great recession happened and then brexit and trump <laughs> happened. and you know they're going to make it sound like it was back to back um and it's like well there was a bit of a calm in there you know this happens a lot with the wars of the roses too they make it sound like oh it was back to back fighting non-stop it's like no there there were there were breaks decades yeah. there were breaks there were decades long periods of peace in there where people were kind of chill with each other yeah seriously it's it's funny because i'm such a dummy with history but i do think history is a very interesting thing to talk about um i do too uh, yeah i mean obviously (laughs) uh but i I guess the thing is that i've never really paid attention to it but the older i get the more interesting i just think uh history is like i mean obviously especially like 
English history because it's where a lot of um, a lot of the really interesting wars happen. There are a lot of interesting wars and all that. I just think it's a, a really really interesting thing to look back into. Um, maybe the I'm I'm perhaps a little biased, but I have to agree. English history is pretty fucking lit. <laughs> yeah, well, the th- I think I mean obviously American history is still relatively young in comparison. Um, so English history, you you get a lot of the juicy shit in there. Yeah, American American history. It's like it's not that I find it uninteresting. There are there are segments I find interesting, just not nearly as much as I do medieval history. But would you like to know what my favorite nugget of American history to tell people about? Please is? do. Oh my god, Jefferson's Salt Mountains. So oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, I forget the exact year. It's while Jefferson is president. That's all I can remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, Louisiana Purchase, I can't remember at this stage whether or not it's happened, but at the very least, it's at a point where, if it hasn't already happened, then it's at a point where it's like, it, it's ever, it's on everyone's radar. Um hmm. But the point being that there's just this massive swath of land, the Louisiana Territory, and Jefferson wants to know, like, I think I think the exact thing was he wanted to see how far the Mississippi River stretched or something like right. that. This is before, this is before um, Lewis and Clark. I know that much. But the, the point is, so Thomas Jefferson sends out a guy named Zebulon Pike and a team to explore this territory and, you know, Zebulon Pike and his men, they're, you know, writing letters to Jefferson back regularly. Now, back in this time period, salt is something of a luxury product, and it's uh, pretty expensive because you've you got to buy a lot of it at a time. And at this point in America, in the colonies, you know, there's not really an easy way to get it. Yeah. Um. So it's expensive, and it's pretty much the best way, if not the only way, to preserve your food. Oh, yeah, sure. And, uh... So, Zebulon Pike, they're all chilling, they're all going through the Midwest, and they reach modern-day Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, you know, that whole chunk. And when he's in what we would now call Oklahoma, he writes back, we now know he was writing about the Great Salt Lake, which is exactly, the Great Salt Plains, my bad. Uh Which is, it's exactly what it sounds like, it's just a big plain of salt. Um, Right. But there must have been a miscommunication. There was a miscommunication somewhere. (laughs) And basically, Thomas Jefferson, who at this point is one of the most educated and powerful men in the country, becomes unflinchingly convinced that in modern-day Oklahoma, there is a literal mountain of salt. And he is so pumped about this because he is seeing dollar signs. Oh, yeah. He is seeing... All the economic benefits. And he makes this massive speech, you know, just kind of recapping everybody on, like, how Zebulon Pike's whole thing is going. And he's he gets so excited about this during the speech. He's like, there exists a massive mountain of salt. <laughs> and it's, yeah, and your reaction is kind of the reaction that a lot of his constituents I was going to say, are you talking like, about Twitch? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and it's really, it's really funny because, like, a lot of his critics at the time uh, were writing back, like, I think there was one who wrote back, well, he forgot to mention the river of, of molasses. Oh, boy. Don't, for, <laughs> don't forget the trees that are dabbled with sugar cubes. <laughs> yeah, no, very Yeah, so a lot of people just heard him talk about this mountain of salt and were just like, you're full of shit. And Jefferson... <laughs> He he stood his ground and he was like, "No, 
Zebulon Pike wouldn't lie to me. There is a literal mountainous salt out there, and they're gonna come back, and they're gonna have all this fucking salt. They're gonna have drawings of this fucking salt mountain, and y'all are gonna be so sorry. How embarrassing. Well, yeah, and, uh... Zebulon Pike, what happened to him, I'm not super clear on. What I do know is that a couple years later, another explorer was really intrigued by the idea of the Salt Mountains, and he went out exploring it, and he, you know, he kind of set the record straight. Oh, it's not a mountain. It's it's a fucking, it's just a plane. Yeah. But I find it so fucking funny that there was a patch of time where Thomas Jefferson was unrelentingly convinced. That's amazing. That Oklahoma had a mountain of salt in it. And maybe and maybe I only find this funny because I live in Oklahoma. Sure, it's a bit of like but, bit of local history. Yeah. That's that was great. Yeah, I love but, that shit. Yeah, but I'm also a very firm believer in that learning these you know, kind of for lack of a better phrase, these tacky things, I really do. I really am a firm believer that knowing those will help people learn more about history because you know when you go into a history class now it's generally the same stuff and you know you're just being told to know these dates know these names know these events for reasons that seem pretty superfluous and you know a lot of people don't see the point and they don't see a lot of enjoyment in it and so they don't remember it but i think that by humanizing it a little more and by telling people also like hey thomas jefferson um wasn't just president i mean a he's one of the biggest fucking racists in the history of this country (laughs) but b he was also super convinced that there was a mountain of salt you know i think that that adds a layer of interest yeah and it helps people remember and feel like there's more of a point in learning history um i don't know i feel like learning weird history is actually very very useful I for think, stuff like this. I think that's a great point to end the show, really. <laughs> Just, like, ending it on a bout of passion, I think, is really, history, really great. History, Yeah, y'all. right, history, research History it. is fun. Yeah, if you're still in school, learn up on that shit. Because trust me, I regret it. Now I'm a... I'm Honestly, a, mm. even if you're not in school, it's so easy to learn about it. There are resources out there if you know where to look. And yeah, it's not, that's true. Like, like, English medieval history. Like, go... Go to the British Library's website. They have so many manuscripts digitized. Mm. Like, I was actually just tweeting about this the other day because um, fucking A24 or whoever, they're making a movie about Gawain and the Green Knight. And you can literally look at the remains of the manuscripts of Gawain and the Green Knight on the British Library's website. Sweet. If you want to. That's pretty dope. So accessible. It is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. I must agree. <laughs> I must agree with the. <laughs> I must agree. It's pretty dope. <laughs> oh, I love it. But yeah, so, you know what? I'm just going to say thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, honestly. Like, probably one of the more different podcasts, because obviously the topic of history has never really been brought up. Um, but you know, I, you know, I can't say I'm too surprised, but <laughs> I, I have been genuinely interested. I, I didn't know all that about Richard III. I, I had no idea about the Mountain of Salt. I, you know, I have yet to encounter anybody who I've told the Mountain of Salt about. I've yet to encounter anybody who already knew about it. It's, it's just, it's just interesting. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you came on and just shared all that. I think it's really interesting. And, you know, I, before I, I end the show, I will ask you, uh, can you please tell the audience where people can find you? Oh, of course. Um, well, I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. But I'm mostly, I'm mostly on Twitter and YouTube. At Red Bard is cool because I'm Red Bard and I like to think I'm cool. Uh, <laughs> please, uh, of course, of course. Apparently, I haven't played enough Platinum games to Do maintain it. that title. But it's too late now. Do I've it. already made the username. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, hell yeah, awesome. And, and yeah, just thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure. Um, and you know, thank what? you again for having me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome, I good learned stuff. That I need to play more platinum games. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm pointing. My, I'm wagging my finger at you like a disapproving grandma. You, you must. I can, I can practically sense it. <laughs> the eyes of judgment all coming down. The on eyes me. of Sauron truly are staring yeah. upon you and your mm. sins. But yes, uh, thank you so much for joining. It has been a pleasure. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you would like to help support the podcast, then you can go down below and become a patron. Uh, if you do five dollars, then you can listen to it nice and early. Ooh, ah, amazing. But yeah, anyway, guys, thank you so much. Uh, see you all in the next video. And please go check out Red Bar's channel. She is a joy. And I will see you all next time. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.